joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. Today we're going to talk about the prayer for humility, which is quite honestly the one that freaks me out the most because I am the most unhumble person that I know. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I know that this prayer is going to cost me a great deal. A prayer for perfected love, prayer for, perfect, for, for an obedient heart, and a prayer for increased faithfulness is the series as we've laid it out. And I believe that when we pray these prayers, we become closer and closer to who God wants us to be. Because can I tell you, it doesn't matter who you want to be. It doesn't matter the aspirations you have for your life. If they don't line up with what God wants, with the Word of God, then they don't matter. And I know that sounds tough, but it's just the truth of the thing. Life is so too fleeting for us to worry about what we are or who we are. We should be worried about what God expects from us. Amen? And a lot of times, in order to be what God expects from us, or who God expects us to be, we have to allow Him to cut stuff out of us that shouldn't be in us. And so we talked about that last week with the sin and personal revival. This week, I want to talk about humility. Because the average man desires to be more than God calls us when God calls us to be less. You guys know my favorite verse, John 3.30. Right? He must increase, I must decrease. The reason that's my favorite verse is because I know that I struggle with humility. That I, I have an innate desire to be greater than I am. When God wants me to be less than I am. For His sake. Because the paradox of it, and it's weird I know, but the paradox of it is the less I become for His sake, the greater I actually am. But until we submit ourselves to the hand of God, submit ourselves under the hand of God, we're never going to realize that because it doesn't seem sensible to the natural eye, only the, only the spiritual one. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the prayer of humility, the dangerous prayer of humility. And we're going to do that by... Much the same way we're going to do all of these, by studying a prayer from one of Paul's writings. And that is 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. If you want to go ahead and turn there, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get there yet. But that's where I'll be coming from. But I want to talk about the humility that Paul had. The greater and longer that you're in the service to the king, the more humble you should be. Does everybody understand that? The longer that I am in the presence of greatness, the more I realize how not great I am. Or should. Because greatness always overshadows that which isn't great. And God, being the greatest, should put us in a place of humility and acknowledge and recognizing that we aren't everything that we think we are. I know that's a shock to some of y'all. But you ain't all that, and you ain't even a bag of chips. You're probably less than all of that. But in God's eyes, when you pursue God and submit yourself under the hand of God, you become greater. This is so true in Paul's life. 
one of the greatest writers and theologians probably in the history of mankind wrote most of the New Testament declared his personal view of who he was in three different occasions. Let me read these to you. 1 Corinthians 15.9 These are all Paul speaking. He says, For I am the least of the apostles. And just so you know, they were written in this order. He wrote Corinthians first, and then Ephesians, and then 1 Timothy. 1 Corinthians 15.9 For I am the least of the apostles. Sounds pretty humble, right? Ephesians 3.8 To me, the very least of the saints. 1 Timothy 1.15 Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, among who I am foremost of all. Do you see the humble, pro, pro, I was going to say progression, but I guess digression, in Paul's life? The longer he was a Christian, the longer he submitted himself to the hand of God, the more he realized how less he really was. When he first wrote 1 Corinthians, he said, I'm the least of the apostles. Which means out of the twelve, I'm the least of them. Then what did he say? Then he said, and the least of the saints. So everybody that's saved, I'm the least of them. And then what did he say? In 1 Timothy, he said, the sinners whom Christ came to save, I am the least of those. So he went from the least of twelve to the least of several hundred probably, several thousand, to the least of every person that's ever committed a sin. You know how he came to this revelation? Because he had an open, honest, and transparent relationship with God. Because he was willing to submit himself to God and let God reveal to him who he truly was in light of things. And because he was willing to do that, God blessed Paul. People say, man, I just want to be blessed. You're going to find your blessing on your face. You're not going to find your blessings on your feet. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? Know that I'm preaching today's sermon to me, so I, I might get a little loud. Those of you guys that knew me before I got saved, and maybe even yesterday, know that this is true. <laughs> But you're never going to be, we're never going to be who God called us to be until we realize that we ain't all we think we are. And so like Paul, where as his time and service increased, his humility increased, humility is a sign of growth. Pastor Rick and I have talked about this several times, mainly when he's pointing out some arrogant thing I said or did. And we have this conversation pretty regular that, that you can tell how close someone is to God by how little they think of themselves. That it's not about us. One of the things we used to hate Pastor Rick to say to us is at 2 o'clock in the morning when there was a hospital visit, and he needed us to go because we used, we used to be in his Sunday school class. He'd ask us to go, and we didn't want to because it was 2 o'clock in the morning. He goes, it ain't about you. You know why it's not about us? Because it's about God, and it's about God's people, and it should always be in that order, about God, God's people, and about us. 
us last. That's the blessing of humility. You want to be great? You can't be great until you're not great. That's a paradox, right? But it's a true paradox. And so I want to talk to you about that today. Out of 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. And so if we'll turn there. Second Corinthians 12 through 10. I'm sorry. 12, 1 through 10. Says this. Boasting is necessary. Though it is not profitable. <laughs> My wife and I had a conversation about this. This section of verses 1 through 6. Sometimes I read Paul and I'm all. What? What are you talking about? Boasting is necessary but not profitable. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. So he's saying, I could brag, but it's not going to do me any good. So let me just tell you about this revelation. I know a man of, in Christ, just so that you know, this man that he's talking about is himself. He has gotten to a place where he's gotten so humble that he's not even willing to acknowledge that it's him. But every theologian agrees that this man that he keeps referring to in the third person is him. He just doesn't want to take responsibility for it because he doesn't want to be seen as boasting. Right? Which is why he started boasting is good but not profitable. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up in the third heaven. So he had a vision and was drawn up into the third heaven, whatever that is. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. On behalf of each man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast, except in regard to my weakness. For if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth, but I will refrain from this. So he said, even if I told you, I wouldn't even be boasting. I'd just be telling you the truth. But I don't even want to come across like I'm being arrogant. So I'm not even going to, I'm not going to do that. Which is a lesson for us. Even when we have the right to talk about how awesome we are, we probably shouldn't talk about how awesome we are. Ah, that hurt me. <laughs> but I refrain from this so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me. Or hears from me. Verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. For this reason. To keep me from exalting myself. There was given me a thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to torment me. To keep me from exalting myself. Concerning the, this. I implored the Lord three times. That it might leave me. And he said to me. My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly therefore. I would rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And then in my own hand, next to that, I wrote, in Him. My strength comes from in Him. Your strength comes from being in Him. Amen? And so let me make a couple of points here with you today. 
No, point number one, if it's your first time with us, know that I, I teach from bullet points so it's easier for you to keep up, or not keep up, but so it's easier for you to take notes so that you might study and prove me wrong later if, in fact, you can't. Number one, humility doesn't deny favor. The believer is favored. To, to be humble doesn't mean to deny that God doesn't love you. That God doesn't have a relationship with you. You are favored to be in relationship. You are favored to be blessed. You are favored to be loved. To be humble isn't to deny those things. It's to walk in those things appropriately. You are favored. Favored. And because we have been favored, we've been given revelation. Paul was given a revelation he couldn't even talk about. He was given such a revelation that to talk about it made him feel as though he were boasting. He didn't even want to talk about it. God reveals himself to those people who have the ability and the submission and the relationship with him to show that they can be trusted with the information that they've been given. You know when that happens? When you're humble. And I can prove this to you in Scripture, that God reveals gives revelation to people he knows he can trust. You guys ever read the story of the transfiguration? Where God takes uh, Peter, James, and Paul, uh, Peter, James, and John to the mountaintop and reveals his full glory to him? You ever wonder why the whole 12 weren't there? Because they weren't as favored. I don't know why they weren't as favored. But they didn't get the favor that those three got. I dare say it's probably because of their relationship, because of the love that they had for, for, for God, and their submission to Him. Anytime I have favor with anybody, most of the time it's because of the submission that I've shown to that person. My pastor is my pastor because I submit to Him. And because I submit to Him, I have audience with him and favor with him that a lot of people don't have. I tell you that not to say, look what my pastor did for me, but to tell you this is exactly how God does for you. Why do I have a relationship with God that you don't have? And when I say you, I mean generally some person. It might be because I spend time with him, build relationship, that I'm submissive, and that I love him with as much of me as I know how to, asking him every day to show me how to more. Why would he not favor me then? Humility is about starts in submission. And so he had, these three had favor. They had favor because of their ability, their submission, and their relationship. The great thing about it, though, people are, well, that's not fair, man. I, I want some favor. You can get favor. You know how you get favor? Start submitting yourself to someone. Start walking in relationship with someone. Start showing the appropriate love to someone. Minimize yourself. Become less so that someone else can become more. You want unmerited favor? You're only going to get that from God. But if you want favor from anybody else, you're going to have to earn it. Amen? But you can grow in the unmerited favor by, by walking in relationship and submission. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. There's no special revelation for pastors. 
it frustrates me sometimes when I hear people say, Pastor Jim, how is it that, how is it that you got that out of the Scripture? I would have read that a thousand times, but have never seen it. You want to know how I got that out of the Scripture? I read it enough until it come out. Everything I've ever taught from this pulpit through submission to the Holy Spirit and the study of God's Word, you're capable of getting out of the Word of God. And I'm not saying that as a slight. I'm telling you that as an encouragement. You want to know what the Word means? You want the revelation that comes with favor? Then you have to pursue that revelation. Just like James, Peter, and John did. Not only did James, Peter, and John have favor the 11 not the 12 but the 11 on the last supper had favor jesus reveals himself gives revelation god gives revelation to people that he knows he can trust i want to read you a story out of john chapter 13 it goes like this <clears throat> it's not very long it's, they've just eaten their supper, the last supper. Jesus has just told the, peop, the disciples, whoever dips this bread in the cup, that this will be the person that betrays me. And then we pick up in verse 27. After the morsel, so Judas had picked up the morsel and eaten it. Satan then entered into him. Therefore Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. And so he's saying, Whatever it is you're going to do, get out of here, go do it. Now, no one of these reclining at the table knew what purpose he had said this to them. For some were supposing, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things that we need for the feast, or else that he should be given, that he should give something to the poor. So nobody knew. So after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately and it was night. Verse 31. Listen to this. Therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. And he begins to discuss what we know is his final dissertation, his, his talk about leaving. He's saying, listen, so, or final discourse. That's when he starts talking about, I'm about to go away, but I'll be back. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that he removed the only person that he couldn't trust with that information, with, with that revelation, before he gave that revelation? And you know why? Because Judas had a heart that wasn't humble towards God. We need to pray for a humble heart so that we might receive revelation much like paul received revelation much like james peter and john received revelation much like the other 11 received revelation i feel like i'm beating this up but i'm beating it up on purpose i need you to understand you may not be receiving from god what you want to receive from god because you're still determined to be who you want to be maybe if you let go of who you are acknowledge who he is pursue him so that you can be trusted with the things he wants to show you and he'll begin to show you those things how many of you guys could stand more revelation? Let me, let me make this question simpler. 
How many of you guys would love to know more about God and his plan for your life than you know right now? You know how you do that? You start that in humility to show that you can be trusted with that information. This is what Paul did. Although Paul acknowledged his favor, he didn't boast about it. Paul acknowledged that he, what he saw, the favor he'd been given, and walked confidently in it. This is what we should do. Acknowledge who we are. Walk confidently in it. To be humble doesn't mean me be a doormat. I'm confident about who God's made me. I walk strong in who God's made me. I walk strong in the gifting God gave me. I watched Leonard, Brother Leonard, walk confidently in who he is. That's not a lack of humility. I think that is actual humility. Because he understands that that strength that he walks in didn't come from him in the first place. And when the all-powerful God places a strength in you, you stronger than most everybody around you anyway, you should be confident. But he didn't brag about it. He just walked confidently in it and kept his focus where his focus should be kept, which is what? On God. Which is why he says, I would not be, it would not be foolish to boast. Because humility isn't self-loathing. It's acknowledging who you truly are and where who you truly are came from. And when we do that, it's not boasting. It would not be foolish to boast. We just don't. Because our, our words, our actions should always point towards God. We should acknowledge God over ourselves, like Paul acknowledged God over himself. Verse 6 says, I will, I will be speaking the truth, but I refrain from boasting so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Not everything you know needs to be said. <laughs> My wife saw, then stop putting it on Facebook. Paul, as we should, wanted to keep the focus on God. That's humility. Recognizing that you have favor. Recognizing that in that favor you have revelation. And in that revelation, you should still be pointing what you know and who you are back to God instead of boasting about yourself. You want to know why this is listed in dangerous prayers? Because it's dangerous. Because <laughs> it's going to cost you something. Get, let, me, let me let you into my world. So, this has been one of the hardest weeks of my ministry at Launch Point Church. I'm talking about as far as physically, emotionally, spiritually draining. It's been, it's been a tough week. You know why it's been a tough week? Why I think it's been a tough week? Because I asked God last week to start a revival in me. And said, God, cut out whatever is in me that shouldn't be in me. That's a dangerous prayer because he started that process this week. 
And let me tell you, whenever God cuts something out of you, you're going to bleed a little while, but you're ultimately going to be better for it. So I can't wait for my humble experience next week. Right? Number two. Humility acknowledges personal weakness. Verses 7 through 8. Each one must do. Is that right? No, that's not right. Somehow I turned the page on myself. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. I mean, you guys heard somebody try to tell you what this thorn in the flesh for Paul was. This thorn in the flesh was he was crippled or he, he was old or he had a bad hard time speaking or it could have been any number of things. Maybe there was a, a guy that he worked with that hurt his feelings. The fact of the matter is all that's just hearsay because the word doesn't say what it is. It just says that there was a, there was a thorn in his flesh. Essentially, he's saying, listen, I was given a weakness because of what I had. Humility acknowledges personal weakness. None of us have the strength to accomplish what God desires of us. The Bible is full of those people who have tried. All of us have a thorn in the flesh. All of us have a weakness. For some of you, it may be a physical thing. For some of you, it may be an emotional thing. For you, some of you, it may be an, even an addiction. I'll tell you where my thorn in the flesh started when I broke my back at the police academy I was always proud I was always a good fighter I could I could handle my own business and then wrestling at the academy one day fighting one of the students I broke my back and immediately went from that to not being able to do anything and having to start relying on other people to help me get stuff done and I, I can remember being so mad about that because I had been saved such a small amount of time at that time. And I was so mad about that because I thought, man, I'm serving the Lord. And here I am. I can't even walk because for months I could barely walk. And when I could walk, it hurt. But now, well, not just now, probably within a year of that time or two, I realized that had God not allowed that to happen to me, I, w I don't know that I would have ever been humble enough to serve him in any real capacity. This is the reason we're given a thorn in our flesh. Whatever it is, God allows a thorn to be in our flesh, whatever it is. People say, well, God's not actually going to give you a thorn in your flesh. God's not going to do anything that's not good. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. God gave him a thorn in the flesh. The devil didn't give him a thorn in the flesh because he'd want him to exalt himself. Amen? I know that runs against some of your theology, but let me tell you why. Because your understanding of good is wrong. The Bible says God doesn't give anything except that which is good. He's a giver of good gifts, right? But that's 
in regard to his eternal perspective and experience, not yours. <clears throat> it wasn't good for me to break my back until you look at it from an eternal perspective and it made me useful. And so it was good. And so maybe God sent it because it served his purpose. And people have come to know Jesus because he used me to help. And I'll say that braggartly. I'm just saying, don't say my God would never if the word of God contradicts that. Because what you've done is you've just created a God in your own image. My God would never do such and such. He's a God of love. He is a God of love. And if what happened doesn't look like your definition of love, but God did it, it's because your definition of love is jacked up, not his. All right, so I digress a little bit. I got ahead of myself. Or not ahead of myself, I just veered off. What I'm saying, <laughs> the Bible is full of people who have tried to accomplish in their own strength. Peter, in his own strength, tried to be faithful and strong. John 13, 37, Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. And of course, this is the cosmic joke of Scripture, right? Because we know this didn't happen. What happened? Cock crowed three times and he was out. Right? But he thought in his own strength, because he lacked humility, he could serve God. You can't serve God in your own strength. And so he required the strength of the Holy Spirit to serve God. So do you. Let me take a, a stop and say, listen to me, if you're trying to walk out a Christ-like life, if you're trying to pursue Christ and you're doing it without the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life, you are wasting your time. You're going to find yourself incredibly frustrated. You're going to find yourself outside the will of God. You have to submit to the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God was given you for two reasons. One, for service to proclaim the gospel. And two, to walk in Christ's likeness. It's not possible for you to walk in Christ's likeness by yourself. You have to walk in Christ's likeness by the power of the Holy Spirit. By what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the best prayers that you could pray every morning when you wake up is, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give me a fresh fire that I might walk according to your will and according to your word. Because you can't do it by yourself. But Peter thought he could. And then when a little threat happened, he ran. And we do the same thing. Like Saul, we think we can bring comfort to those around us when they need a touch. But the problem is, we were never called to call people to us. We were called to call people through us. Humility recognizes it's never to, it's through. But Saul didn't recognize that. And like Peter, we try to maintain our own faithfulness and our own strength. But we forget in John 15, 5, it says, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Is anybody awake this morning? All right. Maybe I'm just not preaching that good. Number three. Humility boasts on the Father's strength. What was number two? Number two, humility acknowledges personal weakness, but it boasts on the Father's strength. Verse nine. <clears throat> and recognizing. Oh, no, I've turned again. I'll get it in a minute. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. My grace is sufficient for you. These are some of the greatest words in your scripture. My grace is sufficient for you. Everybody say, my grace, my grace. is sufficient, is sufficient. For, you. for you. We have a very flippant, impotent understanding of grace. It largely is the Christian body. If I asked you what grace meant, what would you say? You'd say, what's well, the unmerited favor of God? What does that mean? What it means is that we got favor that we didn't deserve. Well, what does that mean? You know what that is? It's flippant and it's impotent. There's no power in that. You need to know, we need to really grab a hold of what grace is. Grace is the strength of God that allows you anything that you have. Unmerited favor is anything that you have that you didn't earn. And so you have to ask yourself, what did I earn? Anybody care to answer that question? You didn't earn anything. You didn't earn your life. You didn't earn your job. You didn't earn your spouse. You didn't earn your money. You didn't earn the breath in your lungs. You didn't earn the love of God. You didn't earn the joy of God, the hope of an eternal future. You didn't earn the sacrifice that Christ made on your behalf. You didn't earn anything. And so when God says, my grace is sufficient for you, he's saying, my strength is sufficient for you. Everything that I've ever given you is sufficient for you. It's enough for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We walk around like we ain't got enough. Everything that you have, you didn't deserve. And if everything we have, we didn't deserve, then we should be thankful for the things that we do have because we don't deserve them. Well, I live in a small house. You live in a house? Well, I live in a tent. Well, you live in a tent? Well, I don't even have a tent. You got breath in your lungs. Is there not something that we can, as humble people, declare the goodness of God over? The answer to that question is yes. Why? Because the grace of God is sufficient for us. Whatever, this, is, this includes whatever strengths we possess. It's the strength that sustains. I'm going to read you four of these. It's the strength that sustains. Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God. Everybody say, but God. 
is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Just sit under the weight of those words for two seconds. <clears throat> my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion. He is my strength in anything that I need, period. So we must pray for his ability to keep us, which we can't do unless we're humble enough to recognize that it's his strength, not ours. Number two, it is his strength that empowers us. James 4, 7 through 8, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It is when we submit to God that he empowers us for victorious living. It's only as we are humble under the hand of God, stay close to him, that we're able to resist the devil. Do you want to be empowered? It's only by him that you're empowered by the Spirit of God. It is in his strength that we are conquerors. Right, I feel like I should just stop. So you guys hear what I'm saying. Romans 8.37 says this. Listen, listen to these words. Don't listen to Jim Kubik talking. Listen to the scripture. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. Did you catch that? He didn't say you're conquerors. Overwhelmingly conquer. Overwhelmingly conquer. It isn't a by the skin of your teeth victory. It's an overwhelming victory. It's a Patriots versus the Cleveland Browns victory. You know what I'm saying? There's no, nobody's going to have questions at the end of it who actually won. They're not going to have to review the game tape to make sure that the ball went in the hole or it didn't. There's going to be no doubt that victory has happened. This is the victory that you have a right to walk in when you're humble, which is why we should pray for humility. I don't know about you, but life's too hard. Life's too complicated. It expects too much for me to walk around defeated. I need a God that allows me the opportunity to not only sustain me, not only empower me, but to make me an overwhelming conqueror. And so do you. And praise God, that happens by His power, not ours. Woo, that's good. You know why? Because all I have to do, like I said at the very beginning, is submit under His hand, grow in relationship with Him, so that he can give me revelation so I can understand these things that I might ultimately walk in them. But do you know where it starts? It starts in humility. Recognizing that you're not all that. And when I say you, I mean us. I don't want you to walk out here, man, that cubic really thinks he's something. I am something. Sometimes I'm something I shouldn't be. But whatever I am, I'm chasing God with everything that I've got. And that's what I want for you.
But you can't if you don't recognize a need first. The greatest strength, the greatest sufficiency that he gives us is that in his strength, he saves. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We've heard this word, no one should boast, several times, right? I think there's a, think there's a, a theme here. It ain't about us. It's never about us. What we have, we have because God decided to give it to us. What we don't have, we praise God because he decided not to give it to us. You guys have heard the old country song about prayers. What was it? Uh, unanswered prayers. Yeah. And they have been. Because let me tell you, before I met this woman, years and years before I met this woman, I prayed that God would give me a different woman that I was dating at that time. And if God had given me that woman, I'd have never known this woman. And you know what I would be without this woman? Less. Write that down. We'll, we need to talk about that later. Okay, I'm out of time. I just, got the, I just got the watch. It is his strength that saves. And finally, humility creates contentment. Verse 10. Therefore I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we're humble, we're content. Because we recognize that our strength to carry on, our ability to be empowered, our ability to overcome, and the working out of our salvation has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. Would you be willing this week, next week, the week after that, to pray a dangerous prayer with me? One that says, God, where I've made it about me, show me how not to. God, where I've boasted about myself, would you show me how to stop? Where I've pulled people to me instead of through me, can you show me where I've done that so I can stop? That's a dangerous prayer because for a while it's going to make you unpopular. But you know what? We weren't called to be popular on this earth. God has plenty of celebration for us in eternity. Let's live for that. Amen? The card that I have, the prayer says this. Heavenly Father, we praise you because you have favored us. Teach us to walk in humility so that we might show your strength, not ours. Lord, show us what it means to be content with what we have been given, recognizing that it comes from your hand. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you and thank you, God, that we, we do serve a God that is capable God, that you do give revelation, that you do give strength, that you do sustain us, that you 
have saved us all by your power and not by ours. God, that you give us revelation. God, can you teach us? Can you show us where we lack? God, so that we might walk in the humility that you call us to walk to so that we become less, so that you can become more, so that in us becoming less and you becoming more, people around us might see who you are. God, my greatest fear right now is that somehow I've overshadowed you with my personality. And God, if there's any person in this room that has that same fear, I pray the same prayer for them. Show us how to minimize ourselves. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the challenge that you've given us in your word today. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit who brings conviction so that we might take that challenge and walk it out. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I know I'm way over time, but let me tell you, there's a little story. When I was at the police, well, I was at the police, I was at a men's retreat. And the men's retreat was much like this room, only all the whole place was covered in windows. And I was standing next to a guy against the window, and the sun's coming in through all the windows. And he said, look at that. I said, what? He said, isn't it interesting that the only place the sun can't get into this room is where I'm standing? When we become humble, God gets in the room regardless of us. Amen.